congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us on that journey. We're going straight in to hideout keeping once again, and the best way to support the show, as always, is to share it with a friend. Doesn't matter if they're brand new to the game or they've been playing it for three years. Let people know about the community. Let people know about the show. That's the best way you can support us. We also have a Patreon. So if you're looking to financially support the show, that is the absolute best way to do that. And a special thank you to all of you who are already doing that. Thank you so much. And then lastly, it's our social channels and specifically YouTube. We're updating guides. We're uploading all of the podcasts and we're putting timestamps on them. So if you have a special section of one show, that's the best way to share a certain topic. If you think somebody needs to hear a special topic, all of that is linkable on any social media. And then for me and for us actually as well, uh, supporting the Twitch channel, MTB Trigger Twitch, that's where we both hang out from time to time. And we're trying to get the numbers up over there so that we can get access to uh, perhaps drops events in the future and then a lot of the other cool things that come along with Twitch. So we're focusing on that as well. So we stream over there a couple days a week. And lastly, for me, if you're looking to chat with me, I'm on Discord most of the time or you can at me on Twitter and it's MTB Trigger on all of those as well. So Ronald, how are you, man? Good morning. Good afternoon. I don't know. We're close on one of them. But anyway, (laughs) how are you, man? And let these fine folks know how they can get in touch with you, sir. Hey, what's up, everybody? Doing okay. Got a little bit of a voice thing going on today, so you notice it might sound a little bit different. But it is actually still morning, which is very unusual for us. Looking forward to a good show today. So the best way to get a hold of me is in Discord. I'm at the top of the list next to MTB in the Xfield Discord. Send me a DM. We're checking Discord messages all day long. Very interactive back and forth with lots of people in Discord. You can also email the show at xpmedia. 2020 at gmail.com. And lastly, I also hang out in Twitch most of the time when MTB is streaming, answering questions, talking to people in chat. So be sure to stop by and say hi. And if you want to talk to me while we watch Trigger kill some people on stream, that sounds good. But today we're pretty excited to get into our main topic for the day. We are going to get into some 12.8 kind of speculation. I don't know about you guys, but we have been enjoying some just what is coming next talk in Tarkov. And so Trigger, what do you think uh what do you think is the biggest thing that's coming in the 12.8 patch? Oh my gosh. Um I mean we've got our list here and I guess to your point, it's not necessarily in order. I think with 12.8 looming, I am fascinated by what they're going to do with weapons and magazines. And I think from a strategy perspective and planning out raids, planning out gameplay I think to me, that's the most interesting thing that could happen for a number of reasons, because it will 
somehow buff or nerf different play styles, I think, in very unique ways. So for me, that's where I've spent most of my, you know, planning time and thought process on is thinking about those changes. And I guess a secondary one for me would be uh, what the Unity 2019 upgrade could mean for in-game performance. So what about you? I think the in-game, as far as in-game mechanics go, having your weapon wear and actually have real consequences for using the same gun without repairing it, but then having some kind of repair deficit or repair issue is something that is going to be very challenging for a lot of people and actually very game-changing. So think about this. Your gun now is going to have a chance to jam. It'll have a chance to have a critical malfunction. And all of that's going to be dependent upon how often you've used that gun. And then eventually the guns are going to wear to the point where they can't be repaired. It's going to be a lot like other things. It could never be damaged. It just wears out. And I think that's going to be a major, major change depending on how long that scale is. The other thing that I've been really been thinking about is from the perspective of the game itself is the implementation of the Steam Audio Phase 2 and the problems that that's going to put on the actual PCs themselves of gamers. Because right now, what they're saying is this is going to be a heavy CPU load to really implement this new technology for Steam Audio. And as we've noticed with current Tarkov, current Tarkov is a very CPU dependent game, much more than other FPS games. If you've gone through the video that I put out about optimizing your your computer for Tarkov, there are some settings in the game already that are not necessarily intuitive, like textures, having turned your textures to a different setting to manage the amount of CPU that's being used by the game, which ultimately affects your FPS. And I think what's going on right now is that Tarkov is trying to balance this issue with CPU utilization, and I think that's going to be a huge change in 12.8. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I guess to kind of open this topic up, what we've done is we've watched some of the uh, team podcast videos uh, where Nikita's been on the show. We we kind of read through what was done on the Russian podcast, uh, where a lot of the future additions to the game have been released or talked about. So when we're saying 12.8 speculation, it is a speculation. Some of this stuff they've talked about, they don't know when it's going to come in. And at some point, it may have been 12.8, specifically the Steam Audio thing that uh, Eric was just talking about. It sounds like this isn't something that's going to be 12.8. It was just originally talked about being there. But all of this stuff is really exciting to talk about because I love thinking about this from a, how is this going to impact me as a player, the strategy that molds and changes? And I think listening to this ahead of time can really help prepare for when or if these things come in. So I really want to start on the weapon wear and tear. So so what they have said that might be a part of weapon wear and tear says may include bolt jamming, critical bolt malfunction, misfiring, case extraction malfunction, and round jamming. And then furthermore, different ammo types will affect gun degradation and jamming chance in different ways. So when you heard about this, like, what did you immediately think? Which one of those jumped out at you? The big thing that immediately I thought is, what is a critical bolt malfunction? So, like, if you're in the middle of a full auto spray and all of a sudden the gun has a critical bolt malfunction... Does this mean the gun's not usable anymore? And all of a sudden, you're just dead because your gun is broken? You know, I mean, they were not specific on these things, but think about that. 
it could literally disable your gun versus just one shot misfiring. To me, that's a that's a game changer if that's the direction they go. Yeah, I I don't know, and I guess I like to think that if I'm alive in this you know scavenging world, this world where people are running into areas trying to take stuff out, that I would hope that I know how to repair a gun. But I'm wondering if it's going to add like new animations or almost like a healing effect, but to your gun. You know, so like, I don't know. I, I mean, I would say critical bolt malfunction and I'm not a big gun nut. I mean, I like to shoot guns and I have a couple, but it's not like I know every part of them. I think I've learned more about guns from Tarkov, honestly, than I have anywhere else. But this to me says there's going to be a scale of things that can happen to your gun. Critical bolt malfunction sounds like the worst one possible. And I'm wondering if there's going to be some like, maybe it's a serve kit for your gun, right? You need the full 20 seconds to repair your gun. And then maybe a round jam is the three second bandage in the gun world. I guess in my mind, that's what this could lead to. And it could make gunfights just extraordinarily more complex than they currently are. I wonder if this will lead to people bringing in regularly more than one gun. Like say just having a backup pistol becomes part of your normal kit. Because if your automatic gun that whatever you're trying to do is not useful, but like you say, it could be repairable, field repairable somehow. I just think it's going to add another dimension to the game. It's going to be super interesting. Yeah, I sincerely hope that it's a dynamic thing. Like to your point, I think from a baseline strategy level, I would love to see it be something like you got to have a sidearm pistol or maybe you always bring a Ketter or some inexpensive automatic fire gun. I think that would be neat right? It would give you more decisions around which guns you take out and which guns you take off of other players, right? Versus right now, weapon slot two is kind of like extra rubles at the end of a raid. Like, oh, I better take this Vepper off this scav and sell it out of the raid. I guess furthermore, what you said could actually be really cool. Like, what if you have to bring bolts or screw nuts or weapon parts, or you have to make like a conscious decision, like if I don't want to lose function of this gun, or I want to be able to repair it faster, what if you could bring in bolts, screw nuts, weapon parts, whatever it may be, to fix the gun? And maybe it comes at a major penalty to the weapon durability or something like that. But I think there's a way that this could get implemented that it's not just a like, oh, you can't use your gun forever, sorry. I think it could actually add some depth into planning, which already exists in a lot of the other systems. And gun building is one that does have a really in-depth modding system, but I think it could be really cool to have to think about, well, what happens if something goes wrong? Am I going to be okay? Yeah, the first place that my mind went with this when I started thinking about this was how cool of a system this could actually develop into. So I'm going to run an idea by you. This is not something BSG has said. This is something that Ronald thinks would be kind of interesting. What if in your hideout, you crafted a gun repair kit? And this was a multi-use item, okay? Think of it kind of like a factory key. So your gun repair kit could be a total craftable thing. It could even end up being on your PMC and your scav a different slot. Have a slot for a gun repair kit. Something that you could maybe even refill or re-add to. But have this like the cheesy example I, I thought of was Batman from the 60s had like the, you know, the utility belt, right? But like have this idea of having like your, the ultimate Tarkov fanny pack <laughs> gun repair kit item that, that you craft in your hideout and that you can use in raid to fix your gun if you have to. I mean, what does something like that sound like to you? I think you're just 
kind of going in line with what I was thinking, but a little more concise to the actual item that it would be. What you originally said led me to my thought process, and then that was kind of where I was going. I don't know exactly how it would be, but it's just like CMS kits and survival kits. I think there's room for those kind of items in different systems and, you know, benefit analysis on it. Like, yeah, CMS is faster and you lose more hit points, but it's also only two slots compared to the survival kit, which is three slots, takes longer, but you don't lose as much hit points and it fixes fractures. That is a decision that every player has to make. Whether they're aware of all of those things or not in the beginning or as a newer player doesn't really matter. But this system could also do the same thing with guns that currently exists in the healing system. So one of the things I mentioned there was a new player and how this might affect them. So whenever I think about a new system being added to the game, I try to look through the lens of, okay, how's it going to affect me? And then how's it going to affect a newer player? And this is the one concern I have about a system like this. When a gun doesn't shoot or you're going full auto right now and there's a bug where, you know, you're shooting and it doesn't shoot or it stops shooting and it's almost like burst fire, which I'm sure everybody has experienced a time or two. I would say it's like one in a hundred raids. It doesn't happen very often. It's probably more to do with latency than anything else. If you add in a mechanic that recreates that lag-like scenario, that may feel really unfun for a new player. So that's really my only concern with this. I do think it has the ability to add a lot of depth. So I, I think that's kind of my, my summary point of view on it. There may be a chance that they could actually add the depth of a system like this and still have it be fun for new players and existing players. I think this is leading us down the road of even more of a stronger argument for an in-game tutorial system of some kind. Because if you could teach a new player that this is just how this works in Tarkov, I think that it would go a long way to, okay, I just know that I have to have one of these things to fix my gun if I have an issue. The system itself could add a lot of interesting dynamics to fighting, because if you have to consider, where's my gun degradation at? Am I going to storm into this building with this AK, having my gun down to 20%? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm thinking, okay, I can't do that. Maybe I have to go single fire and find a gun that's at 80% before I can go storm in. I think it probably makes you consider your playstyle more when the gun durability comes into question. Yeah. And I think that some of the most fun things that I can look back to in Tarkov usually come from a spot where I overcame a specific scenario or disadvantage or something, and I had a memorable completion to that, right? Where it was like, I got myself in a corner, I'm freaking out, and then I hit two headshots on the PMCs that were charging me to get out of the situation. To me, that's a really fun thing to think back on. And I think the opportunity in a system like this is that it could create more opportunities for overcoming a disadvantage. And this is a much smaller disadvantage, whether it's momentary or seconds long, we don't really know. It could be a really neat thing. Now, I did want to talk about the ammo component of this because they did say that ammo types will affect gun degradation and have a jamming chance per ammo type. So when I think about that, and then my concern that I just had, I think there's a potential to say, 
Okay, let's leave the realism aside at this point, because if we're adding bolt jamming, critical bolt malfunctions, all this stuff in, that's the realism element. But then we have an opportunity for fun, is the way I would look at it, and playability. So do you make the inexpensive, more available rounds jam less and cause malfunctions less so that in the early game you're not having all of these issues but then if you choose to spend on more expensive ammunition with higher bullet velocity and that kind of stuff that's when the jamming comes in this could be in my opinion one of the ways that they're trying to make ammo a little bit more close together as far as power level because in the current iteration you go buy some medium tier ammo and now we're midway through the wipe, there's almost, I don't know, I, there's ammos that I won't even loot to sell. You know, like half of the ammo or more, like 60% of it, probably never goes through guns unless it's on a scav. And I don't know that that's a good solution when they have all of the time and all the penetration models and armor damage and all of that stuff. So I think there's a real opportunity on the ammo side of this to make this make a ton of sense. Yeah, and just like kind of in real life. So one of the things you mentioned before about learning a lot about guns from Tarkov, kind of in real life, I'm a bit more of a gun nut than you are. I would say that's a fair statement. And so cheap ammo actually does hurt your gun in real life. And what happens is because it's dirty. And what I mean by that is that either the gunpowder that's in the cartridge itself is some kind of bad quality or it is a cheap casing around the bullet or the uh, the casing around the bullet is is of low quality and the actual primer in the bullet itself. Something about the cartridge itself is cheap. And what that does is it jams your gun. So in real life, you need to clean your gun after you shoot a bunch of cheap ammo through. So if you shoot a bunch of cheap 223 through an AR, let's say you shoot 500 rounds of the cheapest ammo you can get, which is usually Wolf, which is ironically enough, a Russian brand. And what happens is your gun will like gum up. It's like the gunpowder turns into this paste that coats your firing pin, coats the inside of your barrel, and it makes the gun uh, jam. It'll jam or misfire. And that happens with cheap ammo. But if you go out and get yourself some high quality ammo, some Remington or something that is like a brass cartridge that is very expensive to shoot, you have a lot less of that kind of problem. And I wonder if they're going to implement that kind of system into the game. It would make sense. I mean, cheap ammo is cheap, right? It's kind of a spray and pray, but it does play a toll on the actual gun itself. And that actually would be a way to make a real-life gun degradation make sense to me. Or even have a system where post-raid, you had to clean your gun. So you had to apply an item to your gun to clean it, to bring its ability to shoot or its efficiency level back up to 100%. Yeah, like they could even make a trader that's like a gun cleaner. Like what if you had to give the gun to a trader to clean it, right? And there was different tiers. Maybe Prapper does it, Mechanic does it. Same kind of thing with repairing items. Maybe there's a mechanic there, but what if what if you wanted it really clean from Mechanic, you lost the gun for an hour of in-game time? Or you could have Prapper do it in one minute, <laughs> right? I mean, there could be some really cool decision stuff. Like if you get a super high quality M4 and you want to keep it that way, maybe you can't use it every raid. This would ruin my my stash army supply that I currently have because <laughs> mechanic could have to have all my guns. But I guess you said a couple things there that, again, I don't really know about, but they also said that silencers 
will increase gun wear. And so is that a thing? Is adding that extra pressure? I mean, I guess I guess I don't know enough about this. I mean, I understand like the compensator is displacing the gas in a way that reduces the recoil. The suppressor to me says pressure, like it's keeping more inside and not creating much as much of a boom of sound. So I guess, do you know if the silencer works that way too? Is that increasing gunware because of the additional pressure? And I'm completely speculating on how they're used, so I could be totally wrong. Yep. I mean, that's basically more or less what the principle is. If you think about what happens at the muzzle of a gun when you fire a bullet, and there are people that are going to listen to this that are far more expert at this than I am, but let me just kind of explain in general terms. You have a bunch of pressure that's being released as the bullet is pushed through the muzzle. And inside of the barrel of the of the gun, there is something called rifling. It's a twist. And it's kind of like a corkscrew that makes the bullet spin. And that's what makes your bullet accurate. Because if you just shot it without any kind of rotation, it would tumble through the air. But when it spins like a gyroscope, it's it, it goes straight. And so what the suppressor does is it takes the blast of air and gas that come from behind the bullet. And that's what creates the noise at the flashpoint, the muzzle of the gun. It takes that and it dissipates it out in a more even way, which makes less of a noise every time you fire a bullet. Gotcha. So it it makes sense then that that would be more... I mean, if it's not escaping the gun, it's in the gun or creating some sort of effect on the pressure inside. Okay. And I I mean, I'll be the first to say I'm not trying to be right on this stuff. So, you know, if someone's like, man, you're so wrong, you're you're probably right. <laughs> you know, so for those of you listening, like, I just know that I I don't know a ton about this stuff. I'm using what I can apply logically to it. And I appreciate that you know more about it than I do. I guess it, it leads into the next point too, right? So we may we may wrap back into any of these, but they also talked about magazine degradation and it just kind of plays into this whole concept. And, you know, where the more rounds that you run through it, I mean, think about any device I've ever had. You know, I'm looking at, the first thing I looked at after I just said that is my phone, you know? And if I hold my phone up here, you know, whether you can see it or not, there's... The plastic case on the outside of my phone, it does not fit very well anymore. The more times I've taken my phone in and out of it, the case stretches and stretches. Now, that's a soft plastic, but things like springs and harder plastic over time get wear. So this makes sense to me, too. Again, I just think it can add an extra element of depth. But I don't know. If you add too much of this stuff in, it could become, oh, man, I don't know. The way I'd like to see this implemented is they put one in and see how it goes. <laughs> I guess I just worry about bolt jamming, critical bolt malfunction, misfire, case extraction, malfunction, and round jamming. And then you have all these degradations of all these parts. And it's like, so if I shoot two bullets and then get a jam, and then I shoot three more bullets, get a misfire, two more bullets and get a extraction malfunction, like, I, <laughs> dude, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> and that's that's the danger in this. At the same time, if I'm shooting and I have a suppressor on and I get a critical bolt malfunction and I can use a gun repair kit or something and fix it and then I still get the guy, I'm going to be stoked, right? So like I can argue this thing either way. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's going to be interesting, but it depends. If you're playing this because you want to play video games and have a fun time playing a video game, I'm not sure if you're looking for this level of absolute detail and realism. So, I mean, from my perspective, I already think that the gun building system in Tarkov is a bit beyond ridiculous, the amount of options that there are, and I don't think that most of them ever get used. 
But if they want to keep adding realistic features like this to the game, they just have to have a way to make it not so punishing that it doesn't make it fun. Yeah. Because there's a, it's a difference between having another part-time job to figure something out and just wanting to zone out and have fun in a video game. And hardcore games like Tarkov need to remember that at the end of the day, this is just supposed to be entertainment. And it can be entertainment when it's this level of detail, but there is definitely a fine line that they have to walk with this type of system. They can't make it so, you know, it's not even that it's so ridiculous or anything like that. What it is is they can't make it so detailed that in the heat of the moment, you can't understand what you have to do to win. That won't feel good. That won't be fun. Yeah. And again, I think that's the concern I have for any additional system. I do like the concept of this because I think anybody that has messed with guns at all, and messed with isn't the right kind of word, you know, if you've looked into them at all, you know that this stuff is real and that it happens. And I do think it creates an opportunity for a balancing of sorts in the game. It creates an opportunity for realism, but it can also create something that doesn't have to be real. Like the truth is, if you have a critical bolt malfunction, and you're out in the middle of nowhere, like, you're probably just going to leave. I hope they don't go so real on this that they lose the opportunity to create meaningful and fun encounters in the game. So yeah, we'll see. I think your point is great. I agree with that. Yeah, one point to the magazine degradation. It's super interesting to me because what does happen is the springs wear out in real life in magazines, and you can break clips off in magazines. And what I mean by that is the plastic clips that are in like air magazines, if you're not careful. Generally, what the result of that is in the real world is that the last three or four bullets in that magazine have a tendency to jam because the upward pressure into the gun is not as high. So it'd be interesting to me, like say you have a 30 round magazine that's at 10% durability the last five rounds, is your jam chance go up by 50% or something? Where do you set the limit at how the mechanics work and the programming, which we'll probably never know because they don't want to tell us that. But to me, that's kind of a fascinating dynamic of what this could be. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see. And the last piece of this that they told us about was that there's going to be a quality percentage that is attached to firearms and presumably magazines that will show up on the flea market and the traders, right? And this is all speculation. It's all all of this may be added to the game, but I do think this does bring in an extra element to buying and selling guns, and it could make a really cool feature there where like, hey, oh, I found a perfect M4, I want to kit this out and sell it and take advantage of the high quality percentage. Like, There could be some really cool economy impacts from this as well, but it's also cool that this is going to be reflected there and you're not going to go buy an AKM and then, oh my gosh, it was 0%. It's going to be good, and hopefully there's some filters that can help you figure out what percentage guns are, just like you can on armor and stuff like that now. We've already seen this. If you click in a gun, you can see what the durability is on it now. So it seems like this should be easy to implement. They've already got the tracking system on a per-gun basis. Maybe they're adding some additional modifiers. I hope this is a pretty easy implementation because it's already happening to the gun. They're just going to add some additional things that happen uh, behind the scenes. So kind of looking forward to this to see what they decide on. So that kind of about wraps us up for the weapon wear and tear, magazine degradation, all the things they've talked about as far as what could be coming to the depth of guns as far as uh, those things go. But you brought up something that I am less knowledgeable about, which is the Steam Audio and the Phase 2 implementation of that and where 
I understand what they're trying to do with Steam Audio, but they've mentioned that it is currently a, a CPU issue. So maybe you could speak to that a little bit on why that's delayed. So Tarkov is an interesting game. A lot of games you want to look at how much FPS you're getting, right? And you really want to focus on that number. People zero in on that 144 number and say that I need to have this or I'm missing something. Tarkov is a little bit different. If you're getting between 60 to 70 to 80 FPS, you're not missing anything. And that's just the way the game runs. The game is extremely, and I mean extremely, CPU dependent. And I think that's just because of the Unity engine that they chose to write it on and how Tarkov, from a technical perspective, renders the things that you see on screen. It takes advantage of your CPU much more than your GPU, which is good and bad, but for the most part, just means that Tarkov is more dependent upon having a faster CPU than it is having the tip of the spear for a graphics card. So that actually plays into the majority of gamers better because you don't have to have a $1,500 graphics card to render Tarkov the same as someone that you're trying to uh, oppose in PvP. So when they talked about Steam Audio, they talked about how this load on your CPU is causing Tarkov to slow down. So the Steam Audio Phase 2 implementation, specifically when you're in a building, okay? When you're in a building, the Phase 2 audio, you can tell that you can hear a lot more dynamic sounds. You can hear things above you, you can hear things below you, you can hear things through walls. And that sound becomes even more dynamic when you're hearing it through the type of wall. So for example, are you listening through a wood wall? Are you listening through a concrete wall? Are you listening through a steel wall? And what that sound does as it travels through these barriers and different types of things. And your computer has to render and do the calculation for all of that different environmental factors. So you, your computer has to say, you stepped on a piece of tin and now there is someone who is two floors above you and two rooms farther away from you. That piece of tin sound goes through the hallway echo, goes through the concrete floor goes through a wood wall and now ends up in the headset of the player. And so in real time, calculating what all of that sounds like adds CPU load to your computer and to the game servers. And I think when Nikita was said that it really it comes down to CPU, what I think he really is saying without saying anything is that the game servers themselves relaying that calculation back to the client. It's just way too much calculation for the servers and they need to optimize the programming around Steam Audio. I mean, that makes sense. It's like to add in that kind of reverb effect, which is what I've sort of told myself phase two of Steam Audio is, is, you know, making that additional sound calculation of what this sounds like going through different surfaces or bouncing off other surfaces. The amount of tech that goes into that to me sounds like it would be a tremendous amount on top of just a directional sound that's coming from this far away and there's this surface in between, which is kind of how it works now. But I think we all know that if you hear shots from across the map when you're on like customs, for example, and someone's in the dorms area, you know they're there because it's the only building over there. And the way that it currently is, is like, okay, well, that's inside of a building and it's far away. So that's where they are. It'll be kind of cool when this does make it because I think it's going to allow for just a tremendous amount of knowledge input from us as the players, but it's also going to allow for probably more strategic play because you probably won't give your position away quite as easy uh, when it's just like, oh yeah, nope, that's up there. Nope, that's over there. It has to be this. 
So it's going to add a lot more, uh, hopefully, dynamic situations to being in the game itself. So cool. Great breakdown of that. Anything else on the on the sound that we heard? Well, I'd just like to add that there are games that are using this technology already. So it is known how to do it. And BSG has to integrate this now into what they've already created. So it's coming. They'll be able to do it. And the audio will get uh, even better than it is now. Awesome. Well, there's a couple more things we heard about. I think for me, the one that's exciting is the Vector. The Vector is coming to Tarkov, which again, y'all know that I love PUBG as well. And Vector is one of those guns that I was introduced to in PUBG. And it may may have been in a Call of Duty somewhere, but I used it a ton in PUBG and it's gone through a bunch of different versions there. So to see that gun coming to Tarkov is going to be really cool. If PUBG did it accurately, which I don't know, I didn't ever look into this stuff, it is an extremely high rate of fire uh, submachine gun. And so if that comes in, it's kind of another option there uh, for the submachine gun category, which got a lot of love with the new ammo types released in 12.7. And maybe a couple extra guns there will actually bring SMGs closer to what assault rifles are currently. So kind of excited for this. I just kind of like the concept of the high rate of fire SMGs and especially the the vector because I have uh, a history with it in another game. So kind of excited for that. Yeah, I am too, actually. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how that ends up. And, uh, you know, the vector is always fun to play with in other games. It was specifically with the, the SCAV DLC stuff. I think that there's a real opportunity to create some cool and interesting things. Like, for example, I believe it's Ragman, right? After level 40, you can buy different looks for your bear or Yusek. If they just, that's new-ish. I don't know, you've probably gotten through some of that stuff where I haven't quite got there yet. But some of that, I think they have an opportunity to kind of make your scav look a little bit crazy. And it could be kind of interesting to see how that goes. Plus it injects money into the company, which they need to keep developing the game. So I don't know, have you, have you seen anything into the, the new different look system? Yeah, and, and we actually inadvertently, before we started recording, had an interesting conversation about updating scabs, right? And I've looked into some of this. I think the look updates are cool. I think adding skins is cool. There's been conversation about adding additional voice options to your scab. So like a broken English bear, for example. But one of the things they did in the most recent update was add new scab mechanics, right? And we kind of wondered and actually, no, we kind of talked about our initial reactions to some of this, like seeing the scav gangs run around and and changing up factory and changing up the other maps because of the new patrols. But I think as time has gone on, the most interesting changes to scavs are actually that they now lean back and forth. They do the scav wiggle, they reload magazines, they sprint randomly. And, you know, you said something to me that I hadn't considered but made a lot of sense to me. And you said to me, well, I don't know that the developers liked that people were using the wiggle to identify themselves as a friendly player, basically. And I didn't really think of it that way. But then when I settled into it, I said, well, maybe you're right, because the most interesting thing to me about scavs is that now in the current state of the game, I question every single one, you know, especially when I'm scaving around myself, which I've been doing more of recently. And when one turns and looks at you and starts the, the wiggle, I'm just like, hey, hey, are you real? Are you fake? What are you doing? You know, it's like that moment of, I don't know. And so the reason I tied that into this is that adding looks, updates, and skin updates on a DLC 
I don't know if that matches what the developers want. I guess I don't know whose decision this is, because if you can make your scav look different, it may be additional ways to set yourself apart as a player scav. And I feel like they just moved in the other direction from that. So while I think it looks cool, it could sound cool, I wonder if this will actually make the game. Yeah, I wonder too, because I wonder the typical Tarkov player, I wonder what they care about. Like what do you think is going to drive the typical Tarkov player to have additional spend on the game? That's honestly probably what BSG is asking themselves right now. Yeah. That's what DLC is. If you don't know, the secret behind DLC is making extra money for the game developer. And so... Shocking. <laughs> exactly. And so the question becomes, how can they separate you from your money in the most effective way possible? And so I, I've really often wondered what DLC would mean in Tarkov and what it actually... You know, what would I buy? I'm not exactly sure because I've never been one who cares about skins and... This is something that we've joked about over time. And because I have never cared about skins, I think that, you know, maybe my opinion is a little bit different than other people who have played other FPS games or games where you can buy skins and buy appearances and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, what what's something that do you think you would buy for DLC in Tarkov? Well, I want to respond to your sort of skin comment there in that I am the type of person that I'll usually buy a skin to support a creator. Uh, I am more interested in earning skins and accomplishing things in-game to unlock skins. Uh, so I do like being able to modify that kind of stuff. Uh, historically, I haven't spent much money on skins on any game, like probably less than $100 in the entire time I've gamed. I never got into it in Counter-Strike, and I have tons of hours in Counter-Strike. That said, if I opened a cool skin from a case, I liked putting it on. But to me, that felt like it was earned. And then the flip side is, you know, if somebody in PUBG got skins that I watched on Twitch or we had on the podcast or something, I would usually buy those skins because it was a way to support them, but also it was just kind of fun. So I don't know exactly how they could bring that to Tarkov. The scav is probably the most interesting one because they've said they're not going to do that on PMCs. Like Nikita's hard no on PMCs. But allowing it on scavs could be interesting. Could they do it in a way where if you're a scav and other player scavs, that's who can see those skins and they always look generic when it comes to PMCs? Maybe? I don't know. I guess I don't know what part of the game they're protecting by not doing this. It's definitely a realism thing, but I think scavs could have a big opportunity for this type of thing going out. Um, I don't know if it's the most effective way to remove us from our money, <laughs> as you said with DLC, but if they're not going to do it on PMC skins, this may be the best opportunity for them to do it um, outside of quality of life stuff like stash spots, things in your hideout and all of that. And they're already accused of being close to pay to win when it comes to the secure containers and the stash spots. So I don't know if they're going to do more quality of life stuff. I think we'll see them add more stash spots to all of the versions over time like they did with this most recent patch. I think we all got an extra line or two in our stash. So I'm not sure how they go about DLC that will actually produce money for them because you said the most important thing to me. I don't know who really cares what their scav looks like. 
And I know I really don't. I mean, I'm more interested in getting in and out and making rubles than, you know, seeing another scav and being like, check out my vest, man. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to do that. I could see things like XP boosts being something you buy. I don't know. It, it, it could be a way to get people through a Tarkov rut. You know, say that for $5, you can buy double XP for two hours or something or five hours or something. I don't know. I don't know if that necessarily breaks the game or not because level is not that important. Is it's only just as with regards to the hideout and trader progression. I I think you could do that in a way that wouldn't break the game. Like maybe after the first thirty days of a wipe, you know, if it stays in this seasonal model after day thirty, if you're under level thirty or whatever the you know whatever they deem is the right level and amount of time, maybe then you add XP boosts. And it doesn't work after level thirty or forty or whatever. But if we're at some point in a wipe, maybe a paid XP boost for someone that found the game, maybe that's a good way to offer an incentive to buy that like at this point we're a couple months into the wipe i have more money than i know what to do with and my cases are stacking up beautifully i'm talking we're we are organized guys organized i don't care if somebody new to the game gets a boost to level 20 or 25 or 30 or even 40 i don't really care in fact I think it would be better for the long term of the game that a new player at this point in the wipe has an easier time leveling up knowing that it wouldn't be as easy in a normal wipe because they have an XP boost. So you're training them to know that it shouldn't be this easy, but you're late start. So I maybe that's a great way to do it. Because I, I, I don't know, would you care if somebody at this point had an easier time leveling than you did having started right at the beginning of this wipe? Nope, not at all. I actually don't care at all if companies sell boosts or pay to enhance or pay to win for secondary systems that are in the game. I would care if they sold like a stim or something. That would be a big deal to me. Like I would say like that's a terrible idea because that affects actual gameplay. But if you're going to buy your way to level 40 quicker, then you're just on the same par as I am. And I don't really care. Yeah. It doesn't make any difference. And if that matters to you, like if you want to trade gameplay time because you don't have as much and you want to buy progression with money, uh, I mean, game developers do that all the time in a lot of games. Yeah. So I, I, I don't really see that as a problem. And I think that's probably smart for them to generate some reoccurring revenue into Tarkov, honestly. And I guess the only reason, the only thing I would add to that for my own personal thing is that I do like to grind a bit, especially on a new season. So for me, I would just hope you don't have to buy an XP boost at the beginning of a season to be at the top of the pack. And that's something that I do like to do. I like to be at the top of the pack when new stuff comes out. So as long as that boost doesn't exist for a period of time at the beginning, I would feel great about it. If it did exist at the beginning, I wouldn't feel as great about it. But I still think after a week or so, I wouldn't care. So at the end of the day, it's not going to make me feel horrible one way or the other if they chose to add it. So really good point. Yeah, and you know, there may be a place too to have different gun skins or something as DLC, you know, making your gun look somewhat unique in some way or, or something. I don't know, not meme like other games, you know, that turn like your AK into a pink thing with whatever, but maybe just different shades of military or maybe different military gun skins from around the world, right? Different militaries have different looks to different things. And maybe the skin just reflects that. So you can maybe show off like where you're from and show some pride in wherever you live. 
you know, something like that. And so I think that there's definitely room for things like that, which don't break the game. They don't give you away in game when you're trying to be stealthy, sneaky boy. Yeah, I think there's some good room for DLC there. Cool. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. Well, I'd like to talk about Unity a little bit because I think this is kind of a big deal in the gaming world. And with Tarkov being built on Unity, Unity 2019 is kind of a big deal. And so shifting us to Unity 2019 is something that is kind of a developer, kind of nerdy coder thing to talk about. And I realize that most gamers, you know, don't glaze over. I'm not going to get too technical on you, but I do want to explain to you what the cool things are about this and why they're doing it at a very high level. Basically, there's it all has to do with graphics and light rendering. There's something called HDRP, High Definition Render Pipeline, that's coming in Unity 2019. And what this is going to do is think of it as realism. They're going to have this like physics-based engine that can make things as just render them almost like a movie in real time. And that's how games are doing it now. They're rendering these things in super high detail. So for example, the skybox scene in any game, which if you look up in the sky, you see clouds, you see moon, you see stars, you see sun. When you see that scene, what you're seeing is your computer rendering all of those different elements in real time as you move your mouse and shift your head around, right? Well, with Unity, they have this new simulation that actually separates all that out. And it's going to be almost like you're looking up at night for real. And so in Unity 2019 release three, which is I think what Tarkov is moving to, there is massive, massive improvements to the graphics. And this is just kind of like one way to think about that. There's also a major upgrade if you are a user of the AMD Radeon platform. So you've got your AMD Radeon graphics, not the NVIDIA crowd, but the AMD crowd. You're going to get something called a light map denoiser function added into Unity, which is going to add hardware support for light vectoring and shading, which is a big deal in a game like Tarkov because in your inner shadows, just that little amount of light or glare or reflection could mean a difference between seeing somebody and not seeing somebody. And the game engine is going to be able to render all of those things in much higher detail than it ever has been. So I'm pretty excited. There's also, there's a a number of other things. Our podcast isn't to get too technical on you, but I don't want it to be a throwaway topic. When you see something like this, like Unity 2019 in the patch notes, you're like, okay, I don't know what that is. Understand that's the framework and like the foundation of the game and they're making some cool changes for us so when it comes to these things i always think about how you know you put the video out about optimizing for tarkov and how to get the most frames out of it and trying to get it to the right spot and a lot of times that is dialing back graphics to get the best playable experience so sometimes when i see these things i'm like well is that gonna exist in ultraland like having the graphics turned all the way up How is this going to affect someone like me that I optimize for FPS because I am interested in PvP? Do you think these are important for me or is it more important for the look of the overall game? I actually would really like to do an experiment with your settings specifically. I think you are optimizing for FPS using methodology and understanding that's not current. I think that you don't need to have the graphics on low to optimize for FPS anymore. And I would really love to do some experimentation with that to see. Yeah, I I mean, I basically am set up the way that you did your video. I do use medium textures because I notice pretty good frame drops when I go above medium textures, but I did want textures being rendered on the graphics card. And so 
It's yeah, this is fascinating to me because this is not something I would have ever looked at. If they're saying we're updating our engine like in the past, I would have said, fantastic. Tell me something else. Like, I don't care. But hearing what it's actually doing, you know, for me, it was you you hit it on the head like, oh, shadows, (laughs) you know, like my settings in PUBG are specifically set up so that I can see gunshots at extreme distance, specifically muzzle flash in a window, which if you have the settings turned too low, you don't see a muzzle flash in the window. So that shadow glare, like you said, that's the thing that jumped out to me is, oh, can I use this setting to gain an advantage in seeing something in the dark or in the moonlight that I wouldn't have normally seen? So to me, that's now interesting. So I really appreciate the conversation about a system upgrade, a backend upgrade, because that's something I would have never cared about in the past. And I probably missed opportunities in the past and in other games to optimize for putting myself in a better tactical position. So I, I think it's really cool. Yeah. And specifically what I meant to say there was that I know in PUBG, we've played around with the settings, you know, making them low, the view distance, the rendering in of things like that. And I think that there's opportunity in Tarkov that to perhaps not have it like that anymore. And there could be a chance that we could enjoy having really high graphics and have good availability for, you know, being competitive. So I think I think that's just something that we really should probably experiment with. And who knows, maybe you'll see a video come out from us about that. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Awesome. Well, <laughs> this is brand new for me, I think, in the entire show, because As you've probably noticed, and I am grateful, sir, that you pulled through even at the end of a cold, which is brutal, I know. So I'm going to take us out today so you all have to deal with me. (laughs) But we have made it, folks. We have made it to the Xville. You are probably seeing the green bar above our heads. It is counting down, which means we are seconds away from disappearing. So what I like to say in my exit from the show today is thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for going to YouTube to comment specifically to say things like for the algorithm, for the show, so that you guys get seen by more people. That means the world to us. And it's become sort of a joke that when we put a video up now, we're expecting to see somebody say that because it's happening all the time. So thank you so much. I want to say that if you are brand new and this is the first episode that you've heard, We have a full catalog of strategy, of speculation, of everything related to Tarkov. And we even have guides online. YouTube.com forward slash XP Media Now. That is where all of the podcasts are hosted in video format. It's where all of our guides are hosted. And remember that you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, soon-to-be Pandora, iHeartRadio, all of the places. We've had some new ones sent to us recently. We've submitted the RSS feeds. If you like audio-only podcasts, you should be able to find us on just about every single one out there. And if there's one we're not on, please let us know. We're doing our best to get updated on all of those. That's it, though. Hopefully, uh, you guys have some stuff to say about the 12.8 speculation. It is speculation. We're having fun talking about it and thinking about how we may have to change our gameplay going forward. And I view that as strategy because we are going to have to adapt to this just like you are. But if you have a thought that is, you know, the same as ours, or you think it's going to go in a totally different direction, let's talk about that in the Discord or in the YouTube comments. We love those conversations. But as far as as what we've got for today, that is it. 
So hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week and good luck out there. Scav often, and we'll see you very soon. See you guys. See ya.